Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Milham, and joining me tonight for Mondays with Max is the one and only Max Riper. Max, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, Jacob. Uh, it feels different to be in this chair, uh, but I appreciate you taking over as host, and uh, you're off to a great start. The intro was was, was, was terrific. Well, I, I do appreciate that, man. Uh, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm kind of copy and pasting from Royals Rundown, but we're, we're here for it. And we will uh, we'll get it all figured out by the time spring training rolls around, right? That's right. Hey, why reinvent the wheel? So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, yeah, the the the, the uh, you'll, you'll do a terrific job. So we'll, we'll we'll be all right. I I do appreciate that, Max. Well, hey, uh, before we get too into it, if you want to see more work from Max and the team over at Royals Review, uh, please go check them out on Twitter, on Facebook as well, and then of course the good old fashioned website itself. Um, we are we're just going to hit the ground running, man. Um, it is. I'm kind of in a foul mood. The Chiefs just lost. So <laughs> I'm I'm not letting my brain dwell too much. So a couple of days ago on the best way to start your day, Royals rumblings on Royals review, um, saw, saw some stuff about Salvador Perez, man. Um, Chicago White Sox Twitter took one like loose connection and and absolutely ran with it. Um, Max, from your point of view, how, how would you summarize that that whole rumor mill? Have you seen all that? Yeah, so it was, a, it was a Ken Rosenthal article at The Athletic, and, you know, it's kind of like an odds and ends. Here's here's what I'm hearing. Call, call, I think that was what it was actually called, so what I'm hearing. And one piece in there was about how Salvador Perez, you know, had this great affinity for uh, Pedro Grafal, who, of course, was hired as White Sox manager, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and Salvi was very open in the media talking about how much, you know, he said he kind of wished that uh, Pedro had gotten the job here at some point, but but uh, that didn't work out. And so Ken Rosenthal kind of just like says, oh, wouldn't it be something if Salvador Perez went to the White Sox? And then, you know, like the next paragraph says, of course, that will never happen. Uh, <laughs> the Royals are pretty committed to him and he's got a contract that'll be hard to move. And he has 10 five rights. Uh, which, you know, if he was open to a trade, I guess he could waive those. But, uh, yeah, so I guess some some White Sox fans kind of took off from that and said, like, hey, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? And, of course, some fans thought it was a good idea because Salvador Perez has, I think, terrorized White Sox fans over the years. (laughs) Some fans thought it was a bad idea because he was was also in the twilight of his career. And they they already have Yasmani Grandal, who's not on a cheap contract right now. So... You know, it's it's kind of like hot stove season where and you do make a, a mountain out of a mo- molehill a little bit. You know, whispers become amplified as 
is, you know, and we're guilty of this too. You know, we ag- yeah, we're, we we're an aggregator site, you know, we're looking for content, you know, and we're looking to, to write about something. And so, you know, people kind of took off of that, but yeah, I don't expect Salvador Perez is getting traded. Uh, even if he does maybe really like the idea of playing for Pedro Grafal, it seems unthinkable that, he, that the Royals would trade him or that, um, uh, and I, it's hard to imagine him in a different uniform. And I don't, I don't want to imagine him in a different uniform. I I really don't either. Look, they when he signed that extension, I envisioned that as, hey, I'm I'm gonna be a royal for life. And you don't see that too often nowadays in in baseball. Um, so what? And Max, what really grinded my gears about this whole thing is I I kind of dismissed it as okay, White Sox fans dreaming on this, kind of just peddling this rumor mill. But when certain radio personalities in the Kansas city area are bringing this up and saying that it is a good idea for the future of the Kansas city Royals. That's what really got me fired up about this whole thing because Sal, I mean, Salvi is not only the heart, he is the soul of Kansas city Royals baseball. He's the last remaining link to that world series championship team. And I, I really can't imagine the team without him, even with MJ Melendez, um, kind of nipping at his heels for that catching job if that is the path the Royals choose. So I really wanted just to in, inform listeners, Salvi isn't going anywhere, all right? Even if he wanted to go somewhere, which I imagine he wouldn't, all right? This this guy is just talking about how good of a manager Pedro can be up in Chicago. He's not saying that he wants to go play for him. Is just complimenting the guy that he's been with for, I mean, pushing a decade, right, Max? Like, they've been together for a while. Yeah, he's been with the organization for a while. Uh, and so, I, you know, look, Pedro, I think it just is a testament to how much he was well-liked by Royals players. And, and that's I think it's a big reason why the White Sox hired him. And you talk about, you know, some people thinking it was a good idea. You know, there's people on our site that thought it was a good idea. People on, on Twitter, Royals Twitter. That I think, you know, thought it was a good idea. And, uh, you know, we 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 just had uh, Dayton Moore. You know, there's a interview he had a couple weeks ago where he was kind of lambasted a little bit for his thoughts about, you know, hey, I, I you know, people wanted me to be transactional. But I, you know, feel like there are certain players or, you know, the fans want to see these players stay in Kansas City. And. You know, if you take that too far, then that's a problem. Like, you know, you don't want to keep guys in Kansas City well past their prime necessarily, at least not, you know, all the players past their prime. Um, but if 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 you're going to slam them for that, I think, you know, uh, at the same time, if you take the opposite tack of like, OK, we're going to be transactional, then I think you do kind of have to at least consider the idea of trading Salvador Price. And I don't want to do it. I, I think there is something to be said about this that Dade Moore stance of like certain players are 10 poles for your franchise are the face of your franchise. Our guys are going to have statues in front of the stadium someday. And I think there is some value in keeping those guys even past their prime. Um, you know, even if it's a, it's a, it doesn't make sense financially because look in a couple of years, he's going to be making $20 million. He's probably gonna be a pretty close to replacement level player, you know, unless he's a superhuman, which, you know, he's kind of defied the aging curve so far, but um, you know, as I say, Father Time is undefeated. Eventually, he's not going to be that great of a hitter anymore, uh, and, and he may not be able to catch anymore because it's a demanding position. So, do the Royals trade him before he gets to that point? I think if you're a truly transactional team like the Rays, you probably get out in front of that and trade him. Um, 
I, I, I think the Royals should probably be somewhere in the middle, right? I don't think they should be that cutthroat. But I also don't think they should be like, oh, let's keep Whit Merrifield and Hunter Dozier here just because they're super dudes and you know our fans don't want to see them traded. Uh, so there's there's a there's a you know I don't think there's a, an absolute that the Royals should follow, um, and I think you should at least consider the idea of trading him. But um, you're talking about a special player who has a special place in this franchise. And, uh, you know, this is also a, a team that's trying to sell a new ballpark or at least ballpark renovations uh, to a, uh, a skeptical public. And you can't trade your franchise player in that, in that kind of atmosphere. I, I no, don't know. I mean, would, would, you, would, you, would you even entertain trading Salvador Perez if the right trade came along? I mean, it would. I, I just don't foresee the right trade coming along. Like, I don't I don't. The Royals are going to have to eat a lot of his contract. There's, I I guess maybe I've just forced it out of my mind, like it it even happening. But if if someone comes along and is willing to pay top dollar for one two good years of Salvador Perez, then you you can't really pass that up. Um, it's it's going to be frustrating. There's going to be a lot of feelings whenever Salvador leaves Kansas City, whether that be retirement or via trade. So it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on, um, which if a move wanted to happen, which I, I do want to say it's about the Ken Rosenthal piece, he is saying that no one is even asking about Salvador Perez right now. But that is just right now. A lot of things can change this upcoming week during the winter meetings. Hey, and hey, this is very exciting. This is the first time that we've had the winter meeting since 2019. Um, COVID-19 canceled the 2020 iteration and then the whole nother virus canceled the 2021 iteration. We won't talk about that anymore. That is bad history. We're moving on from it. Um, Max, I'm, I'm not really seeing the Royals doing a whole lot at the winter meetings, but do you have one prediction about the event itself? Yeah, well, I think this is going to be a crazy uh, offseason in general. Uh, and I think that this week with the winter meetings taking place, I think, in San Diego could could really be kind of the, the kickstart of that. I think you are going to see some crazy contracts in place. I mean, these teams have the pandemic behind them. They've got the, the, the labor deal behind them. They've got um, some nice TV deals right now that they're, middle, they're in the middle of. They've got money from the sale of BamTech uh, that, that were um, Disney kind of paid out the, the final portion of, of money that they owed from the sale of BamTech, this technology that MLB produced. And each owner is going to get I've seen reports of anywhere from 30 to 110 million each each team. Uh, so there is going to be some money sloshing around. And and look, to their, their teams that have had some success, they're going to feel like, OK, we need to spend a little more to get over that hump. There's going to be some teams that haven't had success that are like, we need to get back in the winning column and we're going to spend money to do it. Like the Texas Rangers have already done, but they're huge signing for Jacob deGrom. Mm. I don't think they're done yet. I think they're going to land, try to land another big, big uh, free agent, whether it's an arm or, or another bat. Um, they're going to be aggressive out there. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting, uh, I think, week. Um, I think you could see a lot of movement made with these shortstops. We, a lot of really good shortstops like Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, uh, out there, uh, um, who else am I forgetting? Oh, Cor Carlos Correa is out there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, th th those guys could start to move this week. It sounds like Philadelphia is like dead set on landing one of these guys. 
Um, the Dodgers, what are they going to do? Are they, are they going to try to bring Turner back? Are they going to try to replace him with one of these other guys? Where's Carlos Correa going to end up? Um, it sounds like the Red Sox may not be bringing Xander Bogarts back. So where does he end up? Um, so there's going to be a lot of interesting moves made. Justin Verlander still out there. Uh, doesn't sound like it sounds like him and Houston are far apart right now. So does he bounce to the Yankees? Does he go to the Dodgers? You know, what does Kate Upton have to say about all this? Because I'm sure she has a you know she's got her own career to think about as well. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a really interesting um, week. Uh, we did see also there's going to be trades. I mean. Uh, Brian Reynolds, outfielder of the Pirates, who I think would make a great fit in Kansas City uh, mm-hmm. if the Royals were kind of a step closer to contention. Uh, but he's he's requested a trade. He's kind of tired of losing with Pittsburgh. Who can blame him? So, you know, the Pirates say they're not, you know, they're not going to trade him. But, you know, he's kind of forcing their hand a little bit. And, um, you know, they're not really in a position where having hanging on to him makes a whole lot of sense if they get the right deal. So, um, yeah, it could be a really interesting week. I, I, I don't know if the Royals are going to be involved with it or not. I, I did see an interesting thing today where the Marlins are kind of shopping around their pitchers, uh, not Sandy Alcantara, the, the Cy Young winner, but um, and, and maybe not even Pablo Lopez so much. But but some of their other arms are pretty interesting as well. I know Jesus Lazardo, who they got from the A's last year. Um, is a guy that uh, a lot of people on our side have liked for a while. He hasn't pitched that well yet, um, but he's one of those guys that maybe under the right tutelage, you know, you're not going to necessarily give up your best players to get him. So maybe you turn him around. Uh, Trevor Rogers, who was second in rookie of the year balloting last year, uh, struggled this year. You know, he could be available if the Royals are willing to take a chance on him. So there could be some interesting arms out there. Um, and we'll have to see how, how aggressive the Royals are in trying to improve this team. I mean, JJ Piccolo, you know, in the press conferences with him and, and John Sherman, it seems like they want to be a more aggressive team out there in the offseason. Um, we'll have to see if, if they put their money where their mouth is because, uh, you know, the, the, they certainly could kind of sit pat with this team and say, well, we're, we're going to go with the young guys. But I think, you know, like I said, they're trying to sell a new stadium. They've got a fan base that's pretty restless. Um, I think they'd like to see some moves to improve a team that is coming off a 95 loss season. I don't know. What you, what you, do, you th- do you see this as a, as a, a team that's going to be look the same next year, or do you see them actually going out and making some deals here? Well, I, I think it's going to be looking the same for, for the most part, honestly. Let, let's be real. I thought last offseason we were going to see some major retooling, um, but what wasn't a whole lot of moves. I do think that two players are traded from the Royals by the end of winter meetings. Firstly, outfielder Michael A. Taylor. Um, I do think that he is on his way out from Kansas City. I think Kansas City will get some, you know, bottom of the barrel offer from him and so and get some prospects that aren't ready to be on the 40 man roster yet, but they can stash them and try to recoup some of the lost prospect leverage that they had in the farm system. But also another prospect himself who I think gets traded is TJ Sykema. Um, now the rule five draft is on the very last day of winter meetings and TJ Sigma is kind of the headline Royals prospect that is not protected and is eligible for the rule five draft. Um, I even saw on the athletic, they named like 10 top prospects to watch and TJ was on there. Now he's not a surefire prospect. He was, he just joined the system. So the Royals haven't invested a whole lot in him. Maybe if they're feeling like other teams are sniffing around him and they could lose him in the rule five draft, maybe they can try and get something a little early and try and trade him before the draft. So they don't lose him for nothing at least. But Max, 
Um, just thinking about the importance of the winter meetings overall, do you know what major AL Central piece of history happened today in 2007? 2007. Oh, is that – did we sign Gilmesh? Is that is – that, uh, that's going around that time. No, I guess that it, would have been 2006, right? Yes, that, that it was. And it's it's not even royal specific, but it did shape um, the AL Central for years to come. It was on this day where the Detroit Tigers acquired Miguel Cabrera. Oh yeah, in I did see that. Two thousand and seven. You know, on the hall, whenever a Hall of Famer comes into the into the division, it's not a good thing. And um, I have grown from detesting Miguel Cabrera and seeing him come to the plate, and now I just actually respect the guy. Yeah. Uh, Max, I mean, could you imagine facing the Detroit Tigers without Miguel Cabrera for 15 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk about terrorizing a team, and then, you know, look, you know, we we talk about you know uh, big trades, and sometimes I think uh, there's a fear that if you trade a lot of good prospects, you know, that's the farm system, and and you know, you're trading away future regulars and or future all stars, and that's a trade where you know the the Marlin, the Tigers gave up some good talent. Uh, Andrew Miller, former first-round pick. Cameron Mabin was a top 100 prospect. But that trade didn't really hurt them. Like, Mabin was a nice regular for a couple years. Miller kind of bounced around before he became a really shut-down reliever. But, mm. I, you know, the Tigers certainly didn't don't regret that trade, uh, especially with the career it turned it into. So sometimes, you know— Making those kind of trades, especially you know, signing him to a long-term deal helps too because they were able to keep him for several years after he uh, was eligible for free agency, and they had the money to do that. But but making those big trades, um, you know, sometimes you have to be unafraid to, to to give up prospects. And look, the Royals did that too. You know, getting James Shields. Um, so but you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you certainly don't want to do that, make a, a habit of that. But um, sometimes I think it makes a lot of sense to make those kind of big deals, and uh, you know, worked out for the Tigers. It, it really did. Um, hey, hindsight is twenty twenty on that one. I'm sure there were some Tigers fans who thought they gave up way too much for Miguel Cabrera. And after a few years, they were uh, they were eating their words. So, hey, hopefully, maybe we'll see the Royals make a franchise-changing move like that. In a few years, we'll be celebrating it. But uh, make sure to stay tuned to Royals Review on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the website for any Royals-related news coming out of the winter meetings this week. Again, that ends on December the 7th. Um, we will be coming back with you for another episode of Royals Review Radio after the winter meetings to kind of recap anything the Royals do. But speaking of recapping, Max, we haven't even touched on the major Royals news from this week. They've made not one, not two, but three, three coaching hires since our last episode. And we were we were all crying about the fact that, hey, they need to do something, something. And they gave us something, to say the least. Um, so the Royals added Brian Sweeney, formerly of the Cleveland Guardians, as their pitching coach. Um, they also hired an infield coach, Jose Alugasil. I believe is how you say his name. I'm I'm just taking a stab in the dark, so I do apologize that, if that's wrong. And then the most recent hire, which I don't believe the team has officially announced themselves, um, Zach Bove as assistant pitching coach. 
So this this pitching coaching crew is um, really starting to round out. But I do think that both Sweeney and Bove, they kind of have a reputation and they also touched on how they use innovation and analytics. Those are direct quotes to further themselves as coaches. Um, now, Max, this has been a big offseason of change when you look at how this front office and coaching staff looked just a few months ago. Do you think this is all smoke from these coaches, or do you think we're going to see some real change from these pitching coach changes? No, I think you'll definitely see some change. I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about Brian Sweeney, but, but yeah, you're right. Everything that you read about him, you know, points to data and analytics. And, you know, he talks a lot about how he, how he, uh, he wishes that we had some of these, these tools when he was playing. He's like, I really could have used this kind of data, uh, in my career. And he was kind of a guy that was non-drafted, had to work, you know, kind of fight his way to the big leagues, uh, where he had a kind of a short career with the Padres and Mariners. Uh, so I, you know, I easily seems like a guy that, that understands the importance and, uh, how these can, you know, be used as tools. And so, you know, I think that the, the, the resume here, getting a guy from the guardians who have obviously had a lot of pitching success, uh, makes a lot of sense. Bove, uh, is, is a little bit less of a track record, but he comes over from the twins who I think are kind of uh, at the forefront too of pitching analytics, uh, with Wes Johnson working there for a couple years. Um, so I, I think it's encouraging to see him and, and getting some fresh ideas, getting some of this new generation of pitching coaches, I think is going to help. Uh, and I don't think they're done. I think they're still going to probably hire someone, um, kind of more on the front office side to be kind of a director of pitching, maybe a pitch design, you know, person, um, you'll, you'll, you'll probably see some more hires here. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, we're starting to see this coaching staff fill out a little bit. Um, we still don't know who the third base coach is. I, I, I haven't heard any, um, official announcement on if Vance Wilson's coming back or not, or, if, you know, mm-hmm. definitely not. We haven't heard anything, but if he's coming back as third base coach, we don't know if John Mabry's coming back. I, I would guess not, especially if they're hiring, uh, this new coach who I'm not going to yep. try to pronounce uh, his name, but, yeah. uh, uh, and then Larry Carter, the bullpen coach, we don't know if he's coming back or not. And if he ends up not coming back, they'll have to hire that position as well. So, um, that, I would imagine that gets finalized sometime this week. Uh, we'll all have to see, but, uh, it's nice to see that we do have a pitching coach in place and, and it seems like a good hire. Um, we'll, we'll, you will know more about him. I think as the, uh, you know, as the season begins and we start hearing more stories about how they're working with these pitchers, but it does seem like a step in the right direction and kind of, uh, you know, everything that we've heard from John Sherman and JJ Piccolo is kind of, uh, uh, emblematic in this hire. Yes. Very, very true. And I do, I do feel like we have to note the Royals this offseason are running a very tight-lipped ship, um, which is not something that you see from every single Major League Baseball team. Um, there's not not a whole lot of leaks. Things aren't coming out, you know, days or weeks ahead of time. Um, frankly, there was there's been no news on who they were looking at to round out this um, pitching coaching team, not the pitching coach himself, but the support staff around him. So I do. I want to both voice my frustration and commend the team on on doing that. But, Max, I'm not going to keep you here all night, but I do have to point out. So in that same Ken Rosenthal article we were talking about earlier on with Salvador Perez, he did note that MJ Melendez is, quote, drawing interest from other teams now. We just got done talking about Salvi and how we don't see him moving on anytime soon. 
do you think that the Royals would actually move MJ Melendez before the 2023 season? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that same article, didn't it? They also say, like, they, the Royals weren't really that interested in Shipman trading him, which could be posturing. I mean, like, teams always say, it yeah, could. we're not we're not looking to move a guy, but then, you know, that's just to increase the offers from other teams. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see because I don't know how he fits with this organization right now because Salvi is obviously a catcher. His, you know, MJ Melendez can play left field, and he had his moments. He looked okay. He, like, gets some really good plays out there at times. And he's athletic enough that you think it could happen, but um, yeah, I have some I have some questions about him his, his, his defensive abilities out there, um, and if if uh, if other teams are interested, I would I would certainly be listening. Uh, so I don't know, you know, he does have a really interesting bat. Like he is one of the more patient, other than Vinny Pasquantino, one of the most patient uh Royals hitting prospects I've seen in a long, a long time. Like he takes a very mature approach to the plate. Um, seems like he knows what he's doing up there, has good power to all fields, and you really don't want to trade a guy like that, especially when you're trying to develop a team. Um, I guess the only question is where do you put him on the field? If, you, if they feel like they can make it work in left field, then that's great. Uh, and, you know, one year, you know, you know, he didn't have a spring training to work at left field. You know, he, he made that transition kind of midseason. So let's see what he can do with, you know, a full season of spring training and maybe he can improve out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think they definitely have to be listening, right? I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about how do you feel about having a guy like that in your team where, um, you, you know, you know, Salvi's going to be catching. So where, where, where does MJ end up? Does he end up in left field for the Royals or does he end up for another team? Um, I, I'm still predicting that he's going to be in the outfield in Kaufman come 2023. Um, frankly, we've already seen you, – you talked about Salvi has kind of defined his – or not defined, defied history for the kind of declining production at the catcher position. It's, it's a pretty rigorous – position on the body and we you starting to see that take effect on Salvi even though he is kind of his own entity on that so if you really do care about extending Salvador Perez's career in Kansas City I feel like you have to hold on to MJ Melendez and at the very worst I feel like MJ can serve as a bridge of sorts you have some of these good outfield prospects that are going in the right direction but just aren't quite ready for the jump to Kansas City. So until they're ready, maybe MJ can do okay out in left field. You know, there's going to be some really frustrating moments, I'm sure, just like there were in the 2022 season. But at worst, he is a part-time outfielder, part-time catcher, and then everything else, he's a DH. At least he has that flexibility that this team likes. Most of the time you see that on the infield, but I'll take outfield catcher. <laughs> um, well, and this is the, and this is the kind of year you try something like that. Like, it, like they're mm-hmm. probably not going to be contenders. So, see what he can do in the outfield. And if he ends up being, um, you know, a really solid outfielder, like you know, I don't know if maybe Alex Gordon is too, you know, is too too unfair of a comparison. But like, if he can make that transition, you know, fairly well, and we've seen catchers, you know, transition to the outfield okay, uh, then that's pretty valuable to have with his bat. I mean, I think his bat will definitely play in left field. And uh, and and also, you know, a guy that can maybe catch as a emergency basis. But, um, you know, it's this is the kind of year you try something like that. out. So I don't have a problem with them going into the season with him as a left fielder. Yeah, same here. And the, the other big pill the Royals would have to swallow is he still has five years of team control right now, like for such a um, fiscally responsible team like the Kansas City Royals are. 
surrendering that for some other prospects is just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it is still worth noting. Never say never in major league baseball. So we'll, we'll kind of keep a finger on that pulse there over at Royals review. Well, Max, that's all I got for you tonight, man. Do you have anything else you want to tell the listeners? Well, uh, this is breaking news. Uh, Fred McGriff, the crime dog was just elected to the hall of fame. Uh, Oh, yeah, so he's he was elected unanimously out of the 16 member. Um, this is the 16 member like today's era committee. Uh, Fred McGriff, a guy I was on the fence with, but I think if I had to decide, I would say he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he was it voted in unanimously, so I don't know. You had any quick thoughts on the crime dog getting the Hall of Fame? Um, I think it is. I think it's deserved. I really do. Um, from from everything I can tell, he was definitely a a leading man in his era of Major League Baseball. Um, I haven't heard a bad word about the guy, which I maybe I invest a little bit too much in the character side of the Hall of Fame, but I don't have a bad word to say about him either. Um, I'll have to look at the stats later on and see, like, how uh, is this Hall of Fame or is this Hall of eh? But... Uh, Max, you could probably speak to that a little bit more, right? Uh, yeah, I think he's got. I think he's in the 500 home run club, and this is. Okay. You know, I think most people say he's. Uh, you know, with with without the taint of performance enhancing drugs, and he played kind of. You know, a little bit overlapping with that era. So let me see. Like, oh, 493 home runs. So just outside the 500 home run club career, 886 OPS. Um, so yeah, he very solid career. I think I always feel like he was a little bit more of a compiler. Like I don't think he had, you know, he wasn't an MVP uh, any year. Uh, didn't really finish top. He finished top five once, uh, but still a remarkable career. I'm fine with him being in. Two time home run champ, uh, and like you said, just a a guy that no one had a bad word to say about. Uh, you know, he was a winner on the field, um, a good leader, um, and uh, I, yeah, I think well deserved. I, I'm okay with having Fred McGriff in the Hall of Fame. I think that's deserved. Uh, interestingly enough, not no no Barry Bonds, no Kurt Schilling, no Roger Clemens. Uh, didn't seem like they got much support, in fact. So uh, those guys will still be on the outside looking in. But Fred McGriff will get his day in Cooperstown next uh, next summer, along with whoever the uh, the baseball writers decide to elect in January. So good for Fred McGriff. Yeah, good good for him. I'm sure Jeremy and I will be talking more about those uh, those ballot results later on this week. But Max, thank you very much for that. Late breaking news right there. And if anyone else wants to find you for more late breaking news on the Royals, where can they find you on social media? Uh, I'm still on Twitter for now at, at, at Max Reaper, M-A-X-R-I-E-P-E-R. And of course, you can always uh, follow us at, at Royals Review, um, where, where you can uh, and and also Royals, Royals, RoyalsReview.com will be covering the winter meeting. Things and um, having all sorts of fun trade and free agent speculation this offseason. Hopefully, we won't have to speculate the whole time, and the Royals <laughs> actually do some moves uh, that we can actually analyze. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll be covering all the winter meetings. This is kind of the fun time of year to hope for next year. Heck yeah, it, it really came up fast, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think, we, like you said, we haven't had, really had a real winter meetings in two years, so I, I think maybe we were thrown off. But yeah, it's nice to nice to have it back. Yes, that it is. I'm very much looking forward to it. But yes, please go find Royals Review on Twitter, Facebook, and at the website, of course. Make sure to keep tabs on all things Kansas City Royals. Again, this is your host, Jake Milham. You can find me on Twitter at jmilltheham. 
Um, always putting out work over there and trying to amplify the Kansas City Royals community. But all of you listeners, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, go Royals! Royals!